You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 16. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Happy Thursday, guys. Welcome to The Lively Show. In today's episode, we're talking with Lindsay Ostrom of pinchofyum.com. Lindsay has an amazing food blog, which has many recipes, e-cookbooks, and income reports showing how she's monetizing her blog. If you haven't checked it out already, I highly recommend it. In our episode today, we're going to be talking about Lindsay's decision to finally go full-time, even though her blog has been making substantial income for a very long time. We're also going to go into our theme of the day, which is about giving back and traveling abroad. We're going to talk about her two-week vacation that ended up becoming a one-year teaching assignment in the Philippines. We're going to talk about how that opportunity has changed her and her husband Bjork's lives, and we're going to talk about the challenges she sometimes faces when she considers and contrasts food blogging to the bigger needs of the world and what she's really passionate with as well. And lastly, Lindsay's going to give her recommendations for how to find volunteer travel abroad opportunities if you're interested in giving back in that way too. Let's go to the show. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here virtually, I guess. I know. I think it's great as well. So let's get started. Let's talk about your career background and how you got to where you are. Okay, well, so right now, um, just to kind of present where I am now, I'm both an elementary school teacher and then a food blogger, kind of for my two career pathways. When I um, went to college, I was quite sure that I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. And so I obviously went to school for for education and graduated with my degree and went out and got a job at the school that I loved. It's actually the school that I'm still teaching at now, which is really awesome. And around that same time that I was getting my job, um, my husband Bjork and I got married and we were high school sweethearts. So, you know, we knew each other for a long time and it was really great. But one thing that was really kind of a new thing in our relationship was I was I was cooking more, which, you know, obviously then you're cooking for two people. So that part of my life started to change a little bit and how I was kind of approaching food and approaching cooking. And that's kind of how the blog started to develop, where I was looking for more recipes and I was trying to do more, you know, interesting things, but also keep it healthy. And I was looking online a lot. And one day I said to Bjork, jokingly, I said, I should just, maybe I should just start a blog. And he said, no, really, I really think you should start one. He's like, you don't have to be any kind of special, you know, specially educated person to start a blog and I'll help you do it. And so we did. And that was about four years ago, actually, right around this time. So I, for the last four years, that's kind of what I've been doing is side by side, um, the elementary school teaching during the day and then the food blogging by nights and weekends. That's amazing. So you've been able to, while juggling with your teaching job, grow quite an audience and quite a business actually. What do you think has been the key to doing both at the same time? Well, I mean, it's been it's been so just unexpected in terms of the audience that we've been able to grow. And I think starting out with just that really like no expectation, like I never did it. I never started it because I thought we could get an audience or like make money from, I mean, I didn't even like, I didn't even know that that was 
a thing that that was possible. And so I just was doing it because I wanted to. And it was kind of like my, my hobby, like my re-energizer after a day of work, which I love teaching, but you know, you come home, you're just tired and kind of exhausted. And it was kind of a creative outlet for me. So I was working a lot on it and obviously for four years working on it, but it never really felt like work. It always kind of just felt like this fun thing that I got to do. And, um, and I think just knowing that it was never something that I set out to like make something. It just, I just loved working on it and I just loved kind of sharing things. And then as it started to grow, obviously my interest continued to grow with it and kind of snowball with it. And so that's kind of what's been the unique challenge of the last, I would say like the last two years. Um, cause when it first started, I would be teaching in the blog thing was kind of like, maybe I'll post, maybe I won't. But now kind of in the last two years, as the readership has grown, it's really kind of like it needs a lot more maintenance and it, and it needs more recipe testing from me and it needs a, a higher level of quality. And so to be able to do that with teaching has become um, more and more of a struggle as it's grown, but equally it's, you know, it's super fun. And I feel so thankful that I have been able to do both. That's awesome. And actually, I, that's perfect segue. So for a long time, you've decided that being a full-time blogger was not the right decision for you, but recently you've changed your mind. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'm really kind of excited about this next new chapter that's going to be opening up in, um, I guess, in our lives, both Bjork and I. I am going to be done teaching um, at the end of this school year, which will be in early June, and I'm going to just pursue the the blog full time. And I actually just today, this is kind of funny, I was just talking to a coworker today and she said, oh, so you, you feel like you have enough to do that'll keep you busy with your blog? And it's kind of like people just, you know, people don't know, people don't understand or they kind of think, oh, you're just playing around yeah. for the whole day, <laughs> which kind of in a way, I guess it kind of is. But we've come to a point, I think both Bjork and I have come to a point where we feel like our quality of life and like the things that we value in life, we're not able to get to them and we're not able to like appropriately prioritize things and kind of spend the time doing the things that we know that we need to do and want to do just because we have too much going on between day jobs and then this kind of side business blogging thing. So the the goal with like moving away from teaching and moving more towards blogging is definitely not about like leaving the profession. I, I love teaching and I feel so thankful to have had, you know, the opportunity to be at this great school that I love. And it's just the problem of loving too many things and needing to let something go in order to be able to be a little bit more intentional with our time, I guess, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And one of the things I want to drive home, because I know I always end up interviewing many bloggers who do it full time. And this podcast or the Lively Show in general is not about having your own business. And that's what it means to be intentional by any stretch of the imagination. It just kind of comes up with the guests that I've interviewed who have blogs that you can follow before, during, and after these podcasts air. So I am fascinated about the decision you had about a year ago when you were debating the same decision. At that point, you realized it wasn't the right time for you. What went into that? Because I think that would be a really interesting place. You were at a point where you could have become a full-time blogger and you chose not to. Would you mind going into what that was like and how it's changed? 
Yeah, that's actually, it was really an interesting time. So we were in the Philippines at that time. And um, I had been teaching at the school that was at the orphanage that we were working at, and also doing the blog. And even though like when we went to the Philippines, we really didn't know if the blog was going to take off, or it was going to just totally flop or what was going to happen, you know, being that we were abroad and whatever. But the blog continued to grow. And like the business side of it continued to grow. And I think more than ever in that year, I really felt like the pull between both of them. And we were also creating food blogger pro and we just had a lot going on. Plus I was just teaching for full length days. And so at that point, actually, I think it was like, maybe it was a March of, of last year that I emailed my principal. I remember emailing my principal at my home school here in Minnesota and said, I don't think I'm coming back. You know, I think it's time for me to like leave and just pursue my blog and pursue other things. And I remember sending her that email and just like, it felt really good, but I just cried. Like I just cried and cried and cried. I was so sad because I felt like this is my dream school. This is like my dream job that five years ago, I would have given anything to get this job and was so thrilled when I got it. And now I'm just letting it go. And then what ended up happening after all that drama and me crying and whatever was that a few months later, we were getting ready to come home and I was kind of, you know, second guessing my decision or whatever my principal emailed and she said, well, it looks like we're going to have a part-time position. And are you interested in, you know, going, basically coming back, but not at a full-time, in a full-time position. And I was super excited about that. It was a new job for me. So it was not the regular like classroom, like a fourth grade teacher. It was more of a, like a reading specialist. So I would have a little bit more flexible hours and I would have the ability to kind of just cut my day a little bit shorter and keep things a little bit more, I guess, balanced, quote unquote balanced. Um, And then I think as this year has come, it's been really fun to try out the new position. And it's been really fun to work shorter days just because I have a few more hours that I can dedicate to the blog. But it hasn't been quite the perfect fit that I think I thought it would be. Um, I think I thought like, oh, this will be so great. I'll just work a shorter day and then my life will come together in a snap and I'll have time for everything else that I need to do. And it's just not true. I mean, just like the blog continues to just, it's just, it's really time consuming and feel like we get to the point every night where we're, it's nine 30 and we're like just wrapping up work. And we're just thinking about, you know, maybe eating something for dinner and watching TV before going into bed and getting up early and doing it all again. And that's just not how we want to live. So I think, um, it was probably about halfway through this school year that I think I really realized that something's got to give, you know, I don't think that even this part-time thing, I just don't think it's working. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you shared on that. That's that's really helpful. Now, one of the things you just mentioned, could we go deeper into the children's shelter of Cebu, the orphanage you mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. So I love talking about the children's shelter of Cebu. So this is a good topic for me. Um, so my kind of like our background with the, um, with the orphanage is that um, my siblings were adopted from the orphanage five years ago, I think it was almost maybe almost six years ago. And they were older when they were adopted. And I mean, like I was obviously like my sisters and I were out of the house and my parents adopted them at a little bit older age. And then the kids themselves were older. And so anyways, I have three Filipino siblings that live there before coming here to be in our family. And also the founders of the orphanage are, are both family, family friends of both Bjork's family and my family, because we grew up in the same hometown. So a lot of family and church kind of connections with the founding couple. And that in and of itself is an amazing story for some other time. But the short version is that this like 23 year old woman went over there and saw these kids on the street and just felt this calling and this tugging in her heart, like somebody's got to do something for these kids. 
and end up taking her husband back and going back and starting this orphanage that's been going now for 35 years. So it's pretty amazing. I have goosebumps listening to that. <laughs> I know. It's just amazing. They're about to um, take in their 900th or send out, I think it's like their 900th child will be matched for adoption. So really exciting. Wow. So your parents were just involved with the founding couple and just kind of got involved. Yeah. Um, I think it was like a church connection and also just like small town, you know, small town, Minnesota connection where I think the parents of the founders were from there. And so they knew them and we'd go, you know, go to a lot of like fundraising events when we were younger and when my parents were, um, you know, supporting the ministry and stuff. And so what ended up happening was that they, they asked us, they, they had a teaching position that they needed to fill. And they usually look for like one or two American teachers because a lot of the older kids, well, actually a lot of just the kids in general end up being adopted to the U.S. And so they try to keep at least one American teacher on staff just to help with like English and kind of like American cultural things. They have a class called American Studies that I taught. So they invited us to come out for a year. Um, it was really funny actually because we were just going to go on a trip, a summer trip. We're like, yeah, let's go for two weeks or whatever. And we were super excited about it. Bjork had never been. And so we thought this will be a great, you know, a great trip for us. And then the, the president of the organization called us like maybe two months before we were going to leave. And he said, Hey, just wondering if you guys would, um, you know, be interested in extending your trip to a year, if you could just you know, <laughs> stay a little longer. And so anyways, we, after a lot of going back and forth, we just felt like it was a good time. And I mean, it's never really a good time, but you know, as those things go, it was a relatively good time. And, and we had a desire to maybe do something different and kind of shake out of the mold a little bit and just, I don't know, get outside of the box of our regular day-to-day um, -day living. So we decided to go, we sold our cars, we found renters for our house and we, we went and then we were there for a year. Wow. So what year was this again? It's almost, we're coming up on almost exactly a year. So I always get the years mixed up. So it would be June, we left June 2012 and came back June 2013. So you've been blogging during all of that as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What was that like? Oh my gosh. It's just so hilarious because I mean, like when we left, I, I literally was like, what if all I can find is whole fish? Like what if I, what if there's nothing <laughs> else besides like whole fish and I don't know what lemongrass or something like that, you know, just ingredients that I have no idea what to do with. But actually, um, it's a lot more, I think, like, quote unquote, westernized, um, at least in Cebu is a really big city. It's the second biggest city in the Philippines. So we lived right next to like a regular grocery store, what we would consider as a regular grocery store that had a lot of, you know, normal familiar ingredients. So did it affect your cooking style at all? Well, funny you would ask because a lot of people I think would comment and say things like, oh, when are you going to, you know, do more Filipino recipes and stuff. But the blog wasn't, and like the food part wasn't the primary thing about being there. And really it was like teaching and being with the kids. And I would come back home after like a hot, long, really, really hot day of teaching. <laughs> and like, all I would want, it was, it's like, I didn't even have the energy to really think about stuff that was new. If that makes sense. Like all I really wanted was just like, familiar pasta or like a sandwich or something like that. So um, a lot of the food actually is very just American or, you know, what I would have normally made had I been here blogging from blogging from the States. But now that I've been back, I actually like at the end of our year, um, one thing that was really fun was I spent a couple days 
in the kitchens of the orphanage houses with the aunties that worked there. And so just like taking photos and writing down their recipes, which are all in their head, of course, but just all their recipes for different classic Filipino recipes. And then I've shared those on my blog in kind of like a 10 week little mini series a little while after we got back. So I feel like it's been fun to dip into that a little bit, but almost like I've become more interested in it now that I'm back and like, I don't know if that makes sense. It's kind of a weird thing. But like when you're gone, you're away from home. It's like all you really want is something familiar. That's fantastic. So how has this changed you as a person? How is that or as a couple? How has that experience affected you? Um, You mean just like living in the Philippines? Yeah, or just the whole thing like giving and serving in that way. Has it changed you at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like I... I don't know. I feel like a totally, not a totally different person. I still feel like myself, but I just feel like my thoughts on different things are framed a lot differently. And, you know, I'd like to say like, oh, we come back and we, we live totally differently based on the experience. And I think we'd like to think that, but the reality is, you know, it's probably a pretty similar life that we live than we did before we left. But I think a lot of the changes like in our hearts and the way that we kind of like perceive different things in the world. And a lot of that has to do with just, I don't know, just trying to think more globally and like think more critically about how I see things through such a Western lens, you know, and such an American lens and things that I think are right or things that I think are the best ways of doing things. I'm just trying to constantly question that and say, you know, why is that that you think that? And is that really true? And kind of like basically just consider multiple perspectives and be really aware of the of the realities of different people living different lives all over the all over the world. So is there any example of that? Um, I don't know if this is like really a specific thing, but maybe kind of like in the Philippines, one thing that, um, Filipinos are known for is like kind of being like happy and excited. And then along with that kind of like loud, I don't know, maybe that's just like our neighborhood, but like laughing loud and, you know, being loving to have fun, basically like loving to have a party and loving to like everybody's all together and like, why not just bring everybody together and be as close together and, and spend a lot of time together and like, kind of like a big party family kind of feel. And I felt when I was there, like, I felt like such a introvert, like I just wanted to be inside all the time. And I just wanted to be, just be quiet. You know, why are the dogs barking all the time? Like, just be quiet. I don't know. And, and I think realizing that like, that's an American well, not necessarily American, but I guess that's like a, a product of my, you know, Western culture and worldview is that I think like people should have this personal space and people should have this quiet and people should have and what pe- what certain things about your life should look like. And that's just not, you know, like I don't need to always be right about thinking that I need some certain thing like quiet or something like that. So I think it just forced me and still is forcing me to like look outside of that and maybe try to be more flexible, even though I feel like I don't think I did a really good job of being flexible while I was there. It's just really hard. Living abroad is like, it's so cool and it's such a great experience, but it's really hard. And I think it really makes you look at yourself differently and kind of realize your flaws pretty quickly. <laughs> that's fantastic. So yeah. has it, yeah, it must be interesting to look at yourself and go, oh, that's hey. what I look like. Um, how about blogging? Has it affected you anywhere there? Um. With the Philippines, you mean? Yeah. Has that experience changed your view in blogging or social media or anything like that? I think I think the biggest thing is like it feels so silly, like food and blah. It's like whatever. Like I worked at this amazing orphanage and 
And so when you kind of compare the two side by side, I love food and I love cooking, but it's like, man, what I really, you know, what's really like deep in my heart and like important to me is the work that's happening there. But I think what I realized in living in the Philippines is that those don't have to be two separate things and that building the blog and kind of like building that on food and bringing in an audience and, and looping people into what we're doing and what, what's happening also means sharing the, the ability to share the story of CSC and the ability to talk to people about um, what's happening there and realizing that I have a voice to share that story, even though that's not what my blog is about. And that was kind of something I didn't know. You know, when we were there, I kind of thought, is it okay for me to share about this on the blog? But I was just overwhelmed by, and still I'm overwhelmed by the people who will email me and just say, I'm from the Philippines and I miss it so much. And I'm living in the States and I'm reading your blog and I'm just crying because of how you're describing some of the things that, you know, about living there. And just like, that's a major connection point. And I don't have to always try to separate those, but realizing that my audience appreciates that element of the story, if that makes sense. I think it's beautiful that you're taking something that could be perceived as, yeah, in your own self, like you mentioned, as maybe more shallow than the other work you were doing. But you're learning that you can do both at the same time and that one benefits the other. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah, it really is. Beautiful is a good word. I mean, I feel kind of cheesy saying that, but really it is really beautiful. And like the thing about food that's so great is food just like crosses so many lines and so many, you know, borders and kind of, I feel like it's just so all encompassing and on so many different levels. So it's pretty easy to, it doesn't feel like polar opposites. It feels like as long as it's genuine, you know, it's like an easy way to kind of wrap up a story. Yeah. So what would you recommend for other people who might want to be getting involved in a deeper way in a program like CSC or they're not really sure where they should even get involved? Well, okay. obviously, I have to give a shout out to CSC. So first of all, if you specifically wanted to get involved with that organization, which is incredible and doing really amazing work, um, their website is cscshelter.org. And like one thing that they do that I think is really cool is they have a, a page, a donation page called their special projects page. And we sometimes mention that at the end of the income reports. But there will be certain things that they need funded, like, for example, cribs or one thing that they had was like a sound system for the school so that they could do bigger school programs or books for the library. And then because of that, you can you can look at that and kind of find what you're passionate about and then give in that area. So I know like one of the things we've given to um, is some of the kitchen supplies that are needed at the shelter and just I don't know, just being able to find something specific that you can give. to to help is I think a really cool way to get involved. And then obviously we just, I think one thing that we really just saw while we were there is just the power of donors and whether that be to CSC or whether that be to, you know, there are a lot of similar programs that, that work with not even orphans necessarily, but just children in need around the world through child sponsorship programs and different ways to give back to communities that maybe are doing great things and want to continue to do great things, but don't have the resources to get started. Things like microfinance loans and those kind of programs, there's, there's just so much out there. And so I would just encourage people to think about what they're passionate about. You know, if they're passionate about business to look into microfinance, or if you're passionate about children, there are so many child sponsorship programs or specifically orphans, cseshelter.org is a great place to start. So (laughs) thank you. I appreciate that. Is there anywhere that you recommend going for finding those kind of 
nonprofits. People email me that all the time and they'll say, I want to, you know, I want to live abroad. I want to volunteer abroad. How do I, how do I do that? And our experience was just so different in that we had a personal connection. And so we were directly recruited for the job, which is, I think, really rare. But one website, this isn't exactly what you're asking, but it's kind of a cool thing is now I'm nervous that I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's Kaya. It's called like K-A-Y-A, I think, basically like an organization where you can do volunteer travel. And so if you know that you want to take a trip and there's a whole bunch of programs all around the world. So if you know an area you want to go to, there are like environmental type projects or there are like projects working with children or working with people learning computer skills to kind of loop that in. That's not like specifically organizations you might want to donate to, but just a way to um, think about traveling intentionally, I guess, and, and giving back through your experiences in the world. Thank you. Actually, I'm going to put that in the show notes. So feel free to go over to, you know, JessLiva.com and get the links to all these places. And do you want to say anything to anyone who might be thinking about doing one of those travel abroad type giving back? Yes, I do want to say something. And I would say do it for sure. It's such a rewarding experience. And and rewarding in that I feel like it just helps you become a more critical thinker and um, helps you to both appreciate the world and the beauty in the world and kind of like broaden your horizons and then also just learn, you know, and even if it's not a faraway place, even if it's just like a new city that you're exploring, you could sit at home and like watch TV all weekend, which I like to do from time to time, but you could do that or you could take a weekend and like go somewhere and fly to a new city or drive to a new city and just all the different things you can experience even within a city, you know, it doesn't even have to be abroad. For surely though, I would recommend, you know, if you have the opportunity it and people who have gone abroad, I'm sure would agree. It's just, it's just a really powerful experience. And as far as living abroad, it's a challenge. And I think most people realize that when they're embarking on an adventure like that. But in the end, I just feel like the value that comes from it is so worth it. Absolutely. So are you actually going to get involved with CSC in the future in your own child planning in the future? You don't have to answer that question if you don't want to. I just have to ask. <laughs> no, that's so funny. No, I'm totally fine answering that. And actually, people ask us quite frequently about that. So yeah, definitely. I mean, I think both Bjork and I, I actually, I know both of us would love to adopt someday. And adoption is a big part of both of our family, like our first families, so to speak. So like my family has three adopted siblings. And then actually Bjork's brother, who is older than him, um, was adopted at birth from Japan. So we both have adopted siblings and adoption is a big part of our communities that we're in. And it's just really exciting to think about kids needing a family and families wanting to have kids and then that being matched up through the power of adoption. So it's not an easy road for sure. And I think we saw that firsthand being there and also having adoption in our own families kind of get, I don't know, an inside picture of what that can be really like. But it's just an amazing thing. So beautiful. And I would really hope that that's in our future. Oh, I love it. Okay. So what doubts or resistance have you had to face in your career or life? Yeah. I mean, this is really like, well, okay. I was going to answer specific to the blog, but maybe it's more appropriate to answer to the Philippines, but maybe I'll answer both. Okay. So when I think about the blog and like doubts in that way, well, maybe it's just like insecurity, every creator's dilemma where it's like, you make this thing and you're really excited about it. And then all of a sudden it comes time to hit publish or like hit send or whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, everybody's going to hate this. This is so dumb. This isn't as good as so-and-so's work and whatever. And so I think just overcoming some of that self-doubt 
and being okay with just doing it for your own approval and not necessarily like doing it for a certain number of shares or comments or likes or money or whatever, but just saying, okay, this is what I created and I'm proud of it. And just for myself only, I'm going to put it out there and being okay with that. And I think like, as far as this is kind of taking a little different angle, but with the Philippines, we were really, I would say maybe nervous about going there. Um, maybe we should have been more nervous than we were, but we were, we were nervous. Um, and I think like there were all these challenges of like, well, what about the blog and what's going to happen to the blog if we go there? And, and that was a big thing. You know, I was really worried about that. I had worked on it for two, two and a half years and I didn't just want to give it up and kind of like what, you know, is this going to be really bad for our marriage or is it going to be really good for our marriage? And just a lot of unknowns. So I think overcoming some of that, the fears, like I'm a really anxious person. It's like, what, what if our plane crashes? You know, what if I get a tropical disease and I die? What if I get bit by a snake or something? I don't know. I'm just like really crazy about some of that stuff. But I think overcoming some of those just irrational fears. And even if they are rational, it's like you only live once and just really trying to embrace that and trying to be brave. I'm saying this as I'm like, I feel like I'm speaking to myself right now. Like, yeah, you really need to hear that because that's something I'm constantly struggling with. But just overcoming some of those fears, I guess, and doubts is a, is a very normal thing for me. So how did you overcome the Philippine doubts? Um, I think having both of us in it, you know, makes a big difference just because for me, I feel like I have Bjork where he can say, Lindsay, you're not going to get a tropical disease. Like you can go, it'll be okay. Or, or just kind of having somebody else to like speak into your areas of weakness and help to build you up. And then I think also, I mean, honestly, the decision for us to go, what a lot of it was spiritual and feeling like you only live once. My grandpa had just passed away the year before and I had just read this really challenging book about kind of like getting outside of the quote unquote Christian American dream and kind of like just living living more radically and living in a bigger and better way. And I think those things and knowing that like this is a deep life thing and like an important thing and that's so much bigger than my stupid petty little fears. So... What was that book called? Um, actually, it was called Radical by David Platt. Okay, we'll put it in the show notes as well. Thank you. Okay, so what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? I think I would tell someone who's just starting out to try to find something, or maybe you know what it is, um, think about something that you can lose yourself in. Bjork calls it your zone of genius, like something where you're just like really, really at your best and try to find a way to do more of it. So for me, speaking specifically with the blog, I really love the cooking and I really love the photography and kind of like the content creation. And I really don't like the business stuff, like the numbers stuff and all of that. So like in that specific sense, for us, it has meant just building a team, both Bjork and I, and then other people too, and finding ways to put people, including yourself into their zone of genius to kind of make things work. So for me, it's doing the content creation. And for Bjork, it's doing the managing money. I don't even know what to call it, what he does, whatever. And then also having people like we have, have a whole team of people now who are helping us in various ways, you know, just kind of like finding what really like clicks for you where you lose track of time and you're just like in your zone and trying to find ways um, to do more of that in your life. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great. It was really fun. 
And there you have it. Thank you, Lindsay, for being on the show. And thank you for listening. If you would like to send Lindsay a message about the show and how it's impacted you, please go over to Twitter and send her a message at Pinch of Yum. Thank you so much and have a great Memorial Day weekend. Bye.